is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Jessica Ryan, we continue the conversation on professional relationships in the industry. We also talk about how she maintains being uber efficient, her leadership styles, and the skill set of an artist. So I hope you enjoy part two with Jessica Ryan. I'm curious, relationships in the industry, who you surround mm -hmm. yourself with, so important. Oh how my gosh. Do you view, how do you view relationships, professional relationships? I personally... This is just the right answer for me. Mm -hmm. I don't care to spend my time professionally with folks that don't embody uh, similar value systems. Mm -hmm. So for me, yeah, I just won't do business with those folks. You know what I mean? And that's not right for everybody because like, there's a big risk with that. It's harder. It makes everything harder to scale because not everybody has the same value system as you, right? Yeah. Like there, it's just not the way it works. And plenty of people have built huge businesses because they're willing to do, to do the work with anybody in any circumstance. It's just not right for me personally. And so uh, it's very base level. My, my friend Greg uh, calls it homie status, right? It's like the, 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 you always want to be working with like people who are also friends because yeah. of that shared value system for me again this is just the right answer for me yeah it makes all the difference when you just enjoy the people <laughs> mm -hmm. life is too short you know what i mean and like i feel like that's something i really learned having lost my parents so early i just that's not i don't know how much time i have here i want to enjoy it mm. has know? that raised the stakes for you or lowered the stakes for you mentally Ooh, both i think yeah a little bit of both for sure yeah. it's like i've been in some situations really only had one client across the last three years that I was like, I will never work with you again, which is pretty impressive, actually. I think that's awesome. And those people just found, you know, it's they found their ways to us. So that's that's a scary moment. That's a really scary moment. And I've had a couple other moments where I had to, like, kind of really walk my own walk and say, like, if this doesn't change, we're going to I'm going to leave, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on the table and this is just not the right job for us. Yeah. Um, but those moments worked out, which was amazing. But that shit's terrifying. I find it to be terrifying. I like freak one of those times I was like shaking underneath the table. Do you know what I mean? Because my mm -hmm. adrenaline was just and I was I have big emotions. So like big feelings. And so that raises the stakes. But in some ways, to your point, like it also lowers the stakes because I've made my decision. Do you know what I mean? And I've made peace with it. So it is what it is. And I it's my job to figure out how to build a business with those constraints. Yeah. Do you have um, any particular daily rituals, ways in which you start your day, end your day? Not so much on the start of the day, except for like making coffee in my fancy Swedish coffee maker. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't love mornings, so my, my ritual is, you know what, actually that's a lie. My ritual is I do not touch my phone until I'm about to walk out the door. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I don't look at it. I make my fancy coffee each day. It's more end of day stuff for me. I always read every night, which like comes from my parents incentivized me. I could stay up later when I was a kid if I read a book. And so now, I mean, if you saw, if you're looking at my video, I have this massive bookshelf. I'm like such a reader, yeah. you know, like those are all plays. Um, so I read every night, every night of my life before I go to bed. Are you reading anything good? Oh, do you know something? The, okay, this is so trashy, but I love it. So did you watch the new interview with a vampire series on AMC? No. Oh, my gosh. So okay. I thought it was if you liked if you like those books, it's this I, I think it's this really exciting cultural marker, actually, because 
all of the sort of dangerous elements that are inherent in Anne Rice's books, i.e. concerning sexuality and race and sort of deviancy, right? Hmm. Those were pretty non-existent in that 90s movie with uh, Brad Pitt and, you know, Tom Cruise. It's kind of all there in this new series, and it's really beautiful. And I liked it so much that I was like, I'm going to go reread the entire uh, interview with a vampire canon. And so... I am now on the uh, Vampire Armand, which is like six books in or something like that. But it's been really fun to revisit them. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, um, I haven't, I haven't, I've never read those. So that's, what did, what's the actual title, the full title? Uh, well, the series? first one is Interview it, Interview with a Vampire. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of other ones. Great. I'm curious, organization wise when you're running mm -hmm. multiple businesses how mm -hmm. do you if you do without getting in the weeds too far how do you organize your day and your calendar and your email is it all on your phone do you write it out no, no a little bit of both i'm a again I, I this is like my taste i do not understand my own weird rules in my brain for what works for me and what doesn't <laughs> but i'm uber efficient right like i don't i'm one of those people that can get done more done in an hour than most people get done in their day and I do that with like a combo of I'm r pretty religious about um, I'm picky about my email program mm. and I'm religious about using it almost as a to do list. You know what I mean? So I get shit out of my inbox, like even if it takes a week, I'm looking at that as, oh, right, I've got to do that. I've got to do that. And then I get it and I reply and I get it out. And as a like side note, I use Superhuman which allows me to like do a lot of cool snoozing and send latering and things that I really find useful. So I love that. I use Airtable, as I was telling you yesterday, yes. like crazy to organize projects and databases and things like that. And even to my, like my CRM is built on Airtable, my biz dev um, database. Um, and then I use a handwritten list for like the little day-to-day -day, you know to do's that I have and I think that must have something to do with like just being able to like put a line through something I'm done mm -hmm. I've, when I'm done you know like hand, like manually feels really it puts a like an end to it in yeah. a way that like Asana doesn't do for me um, and sure. so when I'm working with other people I'll use like a project management system but for my own stuff that I'm just responsible for I have a handwritten list in a notebook I love that yeah I'm big on post-it notes love oh yeah them. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, well, what's the, the tricky part too is to track to track to dos that take multiple steps, because mm. you write down something to do it, and say it's like you know to to get a meeting on the books, and the yep. the middle step is to contact each individual to see if they're available. Yeah, and then there's the next step based on their answers, but you also have to ping them back. So it's a very tricky little <laughs> you know trying to organize it from the from the the post-it note to the email. It's a yeah. practice, but it's just like, you know, those little things that are like, and that takes time. Where did I write it? Where is it now? What's that? Right. Mean? I just imagined you with like a work, a post-it workflow. Do you know what I mean? That's like with desk. tree branches. Yeah. <laughs> just the whole desk. I write on top of post-its. It's like so good thing. Um, lessons learned on management. I'm not very good at it. Okay. That's good. That's good. We're going to have some answers. Yeah. <laughs> How do you, uh, I mean, how do you go let ahead. go? How do you let go and, you know, give autonomy to your, you know, subordinates, quote unquote, or the people working under you versus really staying on top of them or something? What? Do you know something? I actually might have the opposite problem. I'm I re for the most part, I with one exception that I'll come back to. I 
am a really, um, I'm just so independent and such a, uh, have an artist director brain, you know, at the end of the day mm-hmm. that I, um, expect particularly as a smaller company right that doesn't have levels and levels of middle management i'm not dealing with that yet i expect these incredibly smart incredible people that i hire to do their shit and i hired them because they're fucking awesome at it do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so like i've i will always check in to see what help they need but very infrequently will be like even have to ask did you get it done did you get it done but this is where i get into trouble right because then all of a sudden i'm like oh my god i've been paying someone and i don't think they're even doing you know any work because i'm not seeing anything come across my desk um so i'm trying to learn about that the exception to it though is like i know my i had a co-founder for a couple of years and he felt like i was uh what do you call it like micromanaging him like a couple of times but it was, I was, I didn't, I couldn't figure out how to speak like in his love language to check in to see if things had gotten done, right? Because he mm. was like not terribly great about getting things done in a timely manner. Mm. Um, and I, again, am an efficiency monster. So I, I just never quite, it wasn't micromanaging, but I didn't, I wasn't able to figure out how to, yeah, check in on that stuff in a way that didn't make him feel like I was just like hovering on things, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the places I have the most to learn is uh, I'm great at managing a theatrical team, right? Like, and it's in my bones and I've done it so many times, but I've never really worked in the corporate setting. And so in a business, it's a thing I have a lot to learn about, I think. You might've just answered this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, in case something else comes out in life with your benchmarks of your company and where you want to go, you know, professionally, how do you balance making things happen and letting things happen? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I love the letting things happen, but I think that again is a skill set of an artist, right? Mm. Like we actually just ended up in this situation with a show that I direct in the spring and we lost our venue and we're having a hard time finding a new one. And, you know, this whole thing is set up. There are budgets in place. We do this broadcast for it. And we might have to go into a teeny tiny, like really uh, alternates, alternative space for this. And it it changes everything from the creative to like my P&L, obviously. Yeah. But I was saying to them, like, I kind of love when these kinds of things happen because it asks us to re-examine and maybe just like reimagine what's possible. You know what I mean? And that sure. feels like a very artist skill set to me. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the, I guess the answer to your question, how do I balance it? Balance it? I don't know that I do. I just try to remain extremely open to the letting things happen part of it. Do you lose focus? No. No, I wish, I think, I think it's also maybe a little bit of a challenge for me. Because I'm kind of, again, terrifyingly focused. You know what I mean? Sure. Which I think like goes back to why I don't do as well of a job of remembering to like take tomorrow off because I've actually worked seven days. I just didn't register it because I'm doing things I love. And I'm so freaking laser focused on making sure that digital audiences, you know what I mean, like are able to access live entertainment that like I don't think of anything else. I wake up at 4 a.m. thinking about it. I go to sleep thinking about it, you know. So no, I I, losing focus is not particularly one of my uh, weaknesses. Is there a common piece of incorrect advice that you hear in life or in theater? 
Ooh. I, I mean that there is there is any such concept as correct advice. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I'm like one of those people that, yeah, I feel like my, my, another of my mentors back to your earlier question used to really get upset with the notion that there was any such thing as common sense. <laughs> and I loved that, you know, that was something like I've taken away. And I feel like that with advice too. It's like, think about you moving through the world, drilled down to the amount of seconds in a day and the amount of choices that happen inside each of those seconds. How in the world can there be correct advice that is true for everyone? You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, like, again, this is just my opinion, mm. but uh, uh, yeah, I think that's that that would be my answer. What are you getting most excited about? with the companies you run what's something you can speak on oh, that's bringing gosh. you joy do you know what i mean it, it is truly so like here's the thing about what i do 10 years ago i was like oh oh there are digital audiences they can be a part of what we're doing live this is going to rebalance the value system for being in per in person it's going to be able to help smaller companies grow and i knew that was true right hmm. and then like i kept at it but like no everyone was like what are you doing i don't what is this what is this you know for seven years covid hit holy shit the phone starts ringing oh everybody's figured it out you know <laughs> oh my god and then you know 2021 mid 2021 hits and we're like everybody's like no thank you i don't want to be on the internet anymore and i was like oh no they didn't figure it out they just were forced to participate oh crap let's try again you know what i mean and so it's been a lot of that sort of like cyclical uh environment for the companies across the last couple of years and i feel like right now i don't feel i know this based on data and like what's in my biz dev and what's in my pnl this is the moment where i'm finally starting to see real early adopters of this live digital um you know ecosystem and mechanism inside a business and i am so excited for that you know what i mean it's it feels real and dependable and like the beginning of something in a way that nothing these last three years or so has felt um and that just it makes me so happy and so excited to work with all those early adopters you know because we're so lucky we've been doing this so long most of them wind their way to us um and so to be able to like invent at the precipice of this moment mm. is so fucking exciting it's so exciting I I'm excited for you. I really can't yeah. wait to see what the future of it holds. Yeah. Uh, especially now that the early adopters are coming in 2023. You'd think yeah. that they would have been there. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I know I keep, I am uh, not a patient person. So I just keep reminding myself that everyone has to figure things out at their own pace. And you can, even if I try to drag everybody, you know, like through yeah. uh, over the finish line, um, but I think, you know, I'll say, I, there's this report, this data report that came out last week that I think is really interesting. And it was on, did I tell you this already? Preferences? No. Um, across arts and cultural. Because we, so we don't only work with the arts, obviously. We work with a ton of brands. But as you might have noticed, my deep expertise is in theater. So we do a lot of arts. This data study came out and it has measured people's preference for attending, preference only for attending arts and cultural um, experiences across 2019, 20, 21, 22. Hmm. And what it found now in 20, for 2022, now in 2023, is that like museums are good, big spaces are good, people still prefer to go to them, outdoor things like zoos, people still prefer. Performing arts, dead last, 
no preference, like bad, mm. bad news. People do not prefer to go to performing arts. And this gal who does these data studies pointed out, she's like, look, habits take 66 days to form. And for the performing arts, what is it? We're two and a half years in now for being shut down and people not coming. So like mm. the ship has sailed, the preferences have changed, mm. right? And so these early adopters in some ways are almost in another 2020 situation, I think, in the arts where they've just got to do something else because like they're getting 50% of their audiences showing up. Their budgets are in crisis. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a huge deficit this year. So they got to do something. And, you know, this is a real good solution to that, I think. Yeah, yeah that's a really good point interesting isn't it mm -hmm. i mm -hmm. really wonder i do wonder and i ask the question a lot the future of theater what where do you see it going or how do you view it i hope i hope that it is a return to more community-driven centers hmm. right that this sort of revaluing again of like we've got to decide why we're going to want to come in person and pay for a ticket because our habit has changed mm -hmm. and I think that that sort of incredibly special experience that great theaters can provide when they really lean into it being a community center right so it's not it's about the story that's on stage but it's also about the space and the people and the experiences before and after like I I think that will be a big reason a lot of people come back start to come back across the next five years and I, my hope is that that's the model because I've been to so many of those th kinds of theaters that are being built regionally right now by people our age and younger, right, who are really asking questions of like, what is theater? Why do I go to it? Why do I want to have the pain of running one? You know sure, what I mean? Yeah. And those are my favorite experiences are when I go to those places. If you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? indefatigable <laughs> it's my favorite word i feel like it's such an inspiring like you can't help but say it like that do you know what i mean like i'm indefatigable and if i could have everybody feel a sense that they were indefatigable as they passed by that billboard every day i'd be happy who wants to fund it for me <laughs> i love it let's get to it let's get to it oh <laughs> jessica this conversation's been special thank you for Wait, taking the so time good. Is yeah, there, thank you. Anything else you want to add today before we wrap up? Uh, no. I mean, I thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And if you ever, if any of you are listening and want to learn more about live digital and all of the weird, interesting uh, ideas and thoughts I have in my brain, come connect with me on social media. I'm at Jessica Ryan NYLA at almost all the platforms. So you can find me there. People of the world, Jessica Ryan. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. 